how you come into a jam here in the attic. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Andre Olivier, and you're here jamming in the attic. This is a show where we have local musicians on, local artists, and we find out what the fuck came into their head that made them think that they could make jams like that. The audacity. That's all it's about. Um, to everyone who's already liked and followed The Attic Production so far online, I thank you very, very much. Um, it's been a really cool journey, and it's only the, it's not even the beginning. It's like the inception, the, the conception, if you will. The baby. Yeah. But anyway, here in the attic today, I have a very special guest. Uh, you may know him uh, from the halls of HL in 2013. You may have known him from downtown Homa, and you may know him as the lead singer of Hey Thanks. Uh, and oh, his wow. name is Travis Opal. How you doing, that's, man? That's the name. Please wear it out. <laughs> Tire me. <laughs> It's so good to have you up here, man. This is like a dream come true. I fucking, like I told you a million times, I fucking love the loft space. Thanks. Like the windows. We call it the attic, but loft is acceptable as well. The loft productions. The loft production. (laughs) It didn't sound as good, so that's why we vetoed it. It just depends what state you're from, I guess, you know? Yeah, you know. I agree. But, um... Yeah, we're going to get into it in a second, but um, I also want to m- mention that you may hear paparazzi roaming around the attic today. We've got our buddy Cameron here. He's running the camera. Yeah. We have some pictures for online. You want to say hey real quick? Hey, guys. <laughs> and that's it. That's a wrap. And that's a wrap. <laughs> so, hey, man, I want to get into a whole bunch of stuff with you, but a little bit of background about me and Travis. We went to high school together. Um, back whenever I was starting my own guitar journey, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was doing drugs. And he was doing drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, kids. And he was um, bringing his guitar around school. Those are some of my coolest, earliest memories from back at HL, is you coming around in alternate classes, and it's always a really loud and energetic song, and (laughs) you were always like just pumped up all the time with a guitar. Oh, dude. If there was a day you didn't bring your guitar, you knew it was a bad day. Yeah, I'm like the classic uh, meme for, like, you know, white kid who brings a guitar to school or to party yeah. and uh, ruins <laughs> all the fun. Like at That's the me. at the frat party, but you're in a circle in the front lawn with... But I'm wearing a Letterman jacket, so yeah, they, they might think I'm a part of their team, you know? Yeah. So That's kind of how I get away with it. So, so, um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about, like how you first got into music and why you started playing. And did you start playing guitar before you ever sang? Um, so pretty much like when I was going to elementary, like I used to mimic a lot of singers and just like sing for fun, but it wasn't something I took very seriously. Like what kind of singers would you listen to? Uh, this sounds really cringy, but, uh, the first, the first singer, like I officially was trying to like mimic or impersonate was fucking Ronnie Rackett from, uh, escape the fate. <laughs> Which is like what kind of band is that? Uh, Escape the Fate. They're like a I don't know like a rock alternative rock band. They've they've mm. been around since I don't know like two thousand early two thousands. Uh, not a band I really listen to anymore. But when I was in yeah. fifth grade, sixth grade, oh we grade, all have it. I was uh you know definitely jamming it out. But um yeah I I started uh I started singing for fun and um a friend of mine Justin um I had been going to school with him since we were in kindergarten and he had picked up playing guitar in fourth grade because his dad plays guitar and writes his own music Mm -hmm. so you know i was hanging out with them one day and uh 
Justin, I, I, I got very intrigued by it because like I was already singing and listening to music and it was something that was kind of already becoming ingrained in my life. You know, my mom used to own fucking Depeche Mode records and shit like that. So, really? Yeah, she was into Depeche Mode and stuff. So I was already listening to like a lot of her music um, and um, a lot of rap for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of like... Like Mike, 90s? Like 90s, uh, early 2000s, like Mike Jones, whatever. We talked about that else. the other day. They don't make <laughs> rap music like the 90s, dude. Just the production. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It just felt more organic back then. Yeah. But... Yeah, aside from that, so I, back to the, the Justin story, freaking, I got intrigued with uh, seeing him play guitar, and, like, he was my best friend, so, like, honestly, anything Justin did whenever we were young, like, I just was trying to, like, match that level of energy. Right. Because I wanted to be, like, where he was, you know? So, I think he, uh, I had told him I wanted to learn, and he showed me, like, a couple of chords, and I struggled, like, learning the G chord for, yeah. you know, months on end. Uh, I took a break from it, and then... Eventually, one day, I remember my mom just asking me, like, what's a gift I'd want for my birthday? And I was just like, I don't know, just give me give me a, gu- a guitar or something. And uh, Like a first act kind of... It, it was like, I was, so I was like being a little picky asshole, and I, wa- <laughs> I wanted like a fucking, uh, I don't know, like, I-, I wanted something along the lines of like a tailor, because I was just, I read up right. like, best guitar, and I was like, I want the best guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, Right out the gate. Yeah, funny story, she like... Bought this guitar. I had no actual knowledge of good and bad guitars. What made a guitar good? What made it bad? And uh, she got me this guitar, and like pretty much she was like, yeah, this guitar costed $800. So I was like, oh, shit, that's like amazing. And I came to find out like two years after that she had actually picked it up for like 180 and was just like lying to, <laughs> to get me to like be like, yes, this is a great guitar. Pulled one so, out from under you. Yeah, so it was, at the moment I was like, like kind of just being stubborn and mad. But it's really funny to look back on now, like how she like, yeah, played you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah. It was funny as hell. Not to get too far off topic, but I have to talk about real quick what my dad did to me not too long ago. Let's go, man. So, if there's one thing you could ever learn about my father, in any amount of time you chose to study the man, is that his fixation with Madonna is no other. I don't think there's a fan club in existence from the 80s to now who love Madonna more than my father. Oh, my God. So he's been trying. He knows how I am with music, and he. I don't think he understands the music I'm into, but he understands that I have a deep passion for, like, zeroing in on music. So he wants me to listen to all these Madonna songs so bad, and he gets on me, and he's like, Andre, if you just understood the purpose of this piece. Oh, my God. Like, he gets on that level with Madonna. I always thought people just, like, grooved to Madonna. No one ever, like, sat down and analyzed Yeah, it was it. like a passive song in a car. Exactly. Know, driving. At a party somewhere in the back. Yeah, So definitely. My, and so that went on for a while. He gets back from vacation, and he comes to me with a sheet of printed-out lyrics. And he goes, um, my friend on vacation, I told her that you were into music, and she gave me these lyrics, and she wrote a song, and she really wants you, you to critique it. I'm like, what the hell does she want me to critique with just, like, lyrics? Yeah, like, yeah. say these are good or bad lyrics? Lyrics could be anything. I'm like, th- my opinion doesn't matter. Why does your friend care what I think? It all sounded fishy. Anyway, I take him home. Like, weeks later, my dad comes to me, and he's like, hey, you ever check out those lyrics? And I was like, I mean, I looked at them when you gave them to me, and that's pretty much the extent of it. 
and he was kind of upset, and he goes, they're Madonna lyrics. They're Madonna lyrics. And apparently, <laughs> he printed out Madonna Jesus lyrics Christ. on his phone, and he wanted to give them to me and told me that they were his friend's lyrics, hoping that I would come back and be like, I don't know where these came from, like, but these are the best lyrics I've ever witnessed in my life. And he wanted me to go, oh, yep, that's Madonna. Jesus what kind of delusion thinks that? Just, <laughs> and then it's like, and then all that's over with, and like, what, what, is, what was gained from the the situation if it would have happened the way he wanted it to he thought i was going to become a diehard madonna fan on the spot but even then like say you did like what what does that change for his life it gives it purpose apparently let it be known <laughs> that madonna lyrics read completely out of context when you're just reading them are very out of cameron was at my They're apartment with me Jesus and we Christ. actually looked at the lyrics and they were strange and me and cameron were like Trying to analyze, like, because it was getting kind of sexual, and it's like, <laughs> how does my dad's friend just stumble upon these sexual lyrics? And Ooh Dude. Baby was every other line. Ooh Baby. So we were like, this lady on the cruise was really feeling it. She was feeling her This is, is going to be a little controversial, not really, but if you want to, like, look at weird lyrics, please look up Weezer. Like any, really? Like, any song from their, I think it's, I think it's on their second record, uh, Pink, Pinkerton or what's it? I forget what the album's called. Uh, it's her second record though. Just go look at the lyrics on that, and uh, and if you want to cringe more, like really? that's a, that's the spot to do it. It's crazy yeah. when you like take lyrics out of a really popular song, and they're about something really crazy, but no one paid attention to know about it. Yeah, because usually the beats, you know, so uplifting yeah <laughs> but we got way off topic so we were talking about you just getting into music and talking about my mom ripping me off yeah uh, you know. all right so back back to didn't the, mean to make it about me back yeah. to the lineage you know right, no, right, uh, right no i love i love i love that story that's fucking funny so um i'm trying to think so you and justin yeah so jo I, I will say like um if it weren't for justin being so close to me I might have not ever even picked up an instrument to begin with because he was literally probably the first person I witnessed play an acoustic guitar in front of me. And like that kind of, I'm not going to say it sparked this whole thought of like me wanting to be a musician and have a career and try to right. do this serious, but it was the first step in the road to like getting farther in this uh, addiction, as you will. Mm -hmm. um, as you sip your coffee <laughs> yeah. for the like... <laughs> don't third cup today <laughs> don't uh you don't have don't hate on, don't hate on me nah, this is you. uh i usually get to seven and i stop so yeah, yeah. not excessive cam's looking at me really funny anyway <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's uh that's pretty much the inspiration for what got me started and uh after that you know going going through middle school i don't remember how it happened but uh I remember joining my, my first little band. I'm sure like a lot of the, the homo folks down here. Yeah. Know, was it uh, a serious band or was it like everyone played an instrument and you called yourself a band? Like, I think it was a little bit of both because like we, it wasn't serious because like when you get down to the root of it, like we were all 12 years old. Right. So like, so like even if it could Serious for 12. Even if it could have been the most serious thing, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a thing. Right. So, uh. No one can drive to practice. Yeah. Like, like me literally, it's like, I hope your mom's free today, bro. Like. <laughs> Uh, everyone's parents on the same schedule we're yeah. gonna meet up yeah absolutely it's more like a, a parental hangout than uh, 
And that was junior high, you're saying? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but... Because we went to junior high together as well. Yeah, you went to uh, Evergreen? Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know the reference, most of these places we're talking about are outside of a town in Louisiana called Homa. Homa. So, um, if you are so interested in this conversation, feel free to (laughs) check out Google Maps. They have every location google possible. earth you can get down to the street level you might be able to see us in this podcast right now you that google is outside literally right now that camera's flipping oh, them off shit dude that's how um, we roll <laughs> yeah man yeah. but yeah um so that's really interesting so you had a passion for singing kind of you just because everyone i talked to who started singing they just started doing it naturally and that's how they knew they could become singers yeah mine was mine was weird so nobody in my family actually has a a whole lot of musical background besides uh my mom used to sing a lot in plays when she was younger um but as far as anything else uh i i just got kind of obsessed with music at a young age listening to it and like jamming it out i got so obsessed to the point where when i was in fourth grade i had a jacket that had fucking speakers built inside of it hmm. so like that's how much i just wanted to listen to music all the time how does that work where were the speakers they literally like they had the wiring inside of the jacket so the speakers would be in the hoodie. So when you put the hoodie oh, on, oh yeah, yeah, I used to have one of those. So um, music was always like you know a big ordeal for me, and uh, it it didn't really come to light for how serious I wanted to be about it until uh, you know around high school. Right, but ever since Evergreen, that's I I don't think you ever really brought around the guitar in Evergreen, or maybe I'm mistaken, but you definitely sang a lot to like back in my church days when I whenever I used to is that you were tr- I used kind to of a, a Christian little, dude I was like a little Christian boy for about you know three years everyone um, had the same um, cross pendant but it was wrapped in the little wire yeah I kind of always wonder who sold all those right <laughs> who made who made the money <laughs> these poor children um but uh yeah I we started uh I started liking it and then I wouldn't say I was naturally always a good singer because like I beg to differ I I, I think. When I started my journey in like trying to sing, it started off with a lot of like, of you know, I'm sure this happens to a lot of people, but Im- imitation, you know, getting artists that you really enjoy and just literally trying to be the essence of that. I went through phases of literally like four different singers I could say I was trying to sound like until like, you know, eventually I started just letting the influences of all of it kind of combine itself to be what it needs to be. Right. Um, but I'd, I never. I never had training at any kind of young age. I just kind of, I just really tried to mimic like the sounds on the songs. You know, I wouldn't say I'm a professional or anything like that. In other words, you learn by ear. Yeah, I learned by ear. I mean, to this day, I still like, I can only name four, four different chords (laughs) like (laughs) on a guitar. So like, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a professionally trained musician in any kind of way, but, uh, I like to, I like to think, you know, with practice on, in any kind of area you know you're gonna get better so yeah i actually find that because i took guitar lessons for a really long time before i considered myself a good guitar player and Mm -hmm. so i had kind of technical training on that instrument and um like if you didn't just hear my mad key skills in the beginning of this podcast uh, i'm teaching myself piano so it's two completely different worlds of me hearing a chord by ear on the piano and then me being if I tried to play it on guitar, I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird, like I'm training by ear on here and I have technical training in another. So it's kind of weird parallels. No, I understand. I'm in that phase right now too where uh, I started being able to write pieces for pianos, but uh, I, I cannot find myself playing an entire thing 
all in one sitting without right. up somewhere else, you know? It's all because I learned one song and everything is kind of around the same thing I can do with that one song. Was it the Black Parade? No. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, dong, <laughs> single. ding. No, um, it's Love by John Lennon. I actually just did a production of it through this studio. Okay. Online. Sick. That's dope. So we kind of left off with you in junior high. So you go around, you're kind of singing, not really part of a band, but you know that you have a little bit of music talent. And then you get into high school. What kind of stuff were you doing in high school? Just playing to yourself, or did you get into anything at that time? So I think I'm pretty sure the first band I ever joined it was like a, a it was a like a metal metal core band uh, called The World Above Us. And like I remember that band. Yeah, we were like I, I'm pretty sure it was rather the end of eighth or the beginning of ninth grade. I don't remember. I was still in Evergreen though, and I don't even remember how I was offered to be a singer for it or anything. I I couldn't tell you, but uh, I did that, and that was kind of the first experience I got to play shows with the band. I didn't even know at the time, so like fun fact, I didn't even write lyrics for anything in that project when I first started. I didn't know how to write lyrics, how to how a song composition worked. Right. I literally was just there. I was given a place where they wanted me to sing something, and then like sing uh, lyrics already there. You know, I, I didn't. Yeah. And then I didn't even know how to, how melodies worked and shit, so. It's a lot of experimenting and a lot of failure, and uh, yeah, that band ended up, you know, I ended up not being a part of that anymore, and uh, I think um, after that, um, me and Justin kind of reunited, and uh, I think around the end of ninth, tenth grade, maybe we started a project with me, him, and another guy named Chase, and uh, eventually a friend named Zach. Um, it's like an acoustic project uh, called Moments of Memory, and. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, but that was like the second little thing I did, and that one was the first time I had gotten to record a song with a. I was gonna ask if y'all did any recordings. Yeah, there's like. A, you have anything you, online? If you go way back, I don't want to listen to it right now. But why not? This is no, where we. This is where we listen to dude, that kind of stuff. Literally, like. <laughs> I'll show you some old tapes of mine. I was literally, in that level of where like I didn't know how to even control a vibrato, so literally every note sounded like a goat. You know, a goat. <laughs> it's a goat singing. On, on a mountaintop or some shit. And uh, I just, uh, that was the first time I got to record something and it was super cool. And I remember being like, so like in awe of like going to this studio setup yeah. um, with a friend of mine now named Bimo. He uh, lives out in BR still and shout out. Baton he's Rouge. In, yeah, he's Baton Rouge. Yeah, he's in a band called Hollow City. They're pretty cool. So Hell yeah. definitely uh, check them out if you get time. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he was the first person I recorded with and, I talk about that a little bit too because I have some background in Nashville and audio engineering and there were days where you know we needed to record something to test out different gear and mm -hmm. do different things in the studio and sometimes I would miss lesson because every single time I wanted to be the one in the booth with the guitar because just I was in awe of that feeling of being in an ISO booth and feeling like a professional musician. Oh yeah, it's a it's a crazy feeling like hearing like what a song especially in an isolated uh like a control room or whatever yeah. is, is supposed to sound like without all of the the air and shit around you like right. in a car like it's kind of it's a definitely probably the most magical thing i've ever got to experience because it's kind of like when you're seeing like a marching band and you feel that 
bass drum in your chest. Yeah. It's a sound you've heard before, but you're experiencing it in a live, real way. Just like in the studio, that's like the purest way you can hear a studio mix because that's where it came from. Yeah. It was created to sound good in there, so it sounds good everywhere else. Yeah. It's kind of like the master standard, if you will. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Not to get too deep into sounds. Oh, no. We're we're very sorry. No, that's (laughs) fine. Man, um, so you do that through high school. Everything kind of builds up to where you are right now. Would you consider Hey Thanks your master project up till this point? Um, you know, I like to look at everything like it's a another stepping a stepping stone. No uh, pun intended for Hey Thanks <laughs> listeners. Uh, definitely a stepping stone in in where I've made it musically because um, you know, I've been playing in, in and out of bands since I was a teenager, and um, you know, I've played I've gotten to play shows. You know, go a little out of state. I mean, uh, when I was in that acoustic band, we we went on Fox one time, like in Bama and like Alabama, and played a some kind of like live session thing on for, for the TV. And uh, oh, so I, y'all were on TV with Hey Thanks? The, no, uh, with my oh, with band, the acoustic. acoustic thing way back when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Right. Um, but that I had never gotten to really get much farther than that, and it seemed like a lot of bands I would join. We'd like you know write a couple of good songs, play a set have some shows, record a song or two, and then it would literally just kind of like, it would kind of fizzle out. And um, I remember at one point being 18, I was working for Kellogg's, and uh, I was honestly kind of giving up on the thought of music being a serious thing again, like just kind of putting it aside. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and uh, I was going to say, Hey Thanks is definitely the thing that re-sparked my drive to really like go full force with music. And... um, you know, a lot of it just has to do with the conditions and the way everything happened because I, I didn't know any of those guys personally except Trevor vaguely because he uh, he was in that band The Risen way, way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like when they were, they were dead set on like trying to start tours and like getting out of the state and like going to different regions and seeing the country and like I never had gotten to like even leave out of the state besides visiting family members. So when they jumped on that and I was getting laid off at Kellogg's, it was like the perfect storm for me to say like, fuck getting some full-time job where I'm just going to have a house and sit in it all day. And let's start fucking getting on the road and seeing places I've never been, you know, get out of my comfort. Yeah. Getting out of my comfort zone. So while, you know, I never, I'm going to say something's, the masterpiece of my career or whatever you'd say it's the biggest part of moment of growth that i've had as a musician because even through this band i learned more about mixing i learned more about engineering songs right learned more about song production i've learned more about how it feels to be in a band of people who all are like really serious about their shit yeah and want to want to do stuff so you know it's been about two years now to almost maybe only two years i think two maybe two and a half years that i've been in the band okay and um uh, since then it's just been a constant like come up we've been just pl- trying to play more and more tours going out playing shows writing recording um just really not trying to let the ball drop you know right so yeah i'm really happy for you guys first why don't we give a shout out to everybody in the band all right, I guess I'll shout out Jaren. <laughs> Jaren was actually here. He couldn't stay long, but he's performing on uh, a song we're featuring at the end of this podcast. Yeah. 
a little special <laughs> nugget. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So um, right now it's uh, me. We have a uh, our newest member of the band, Dave. He's a uh, our new guitarist. So everybody rhythm get... guitar doesn't matter. Um, right now he's playing rhythm on a lot of the the older tracks, but uh, I don't ever like the box we play. If there's right. a certain part somebody can do better, yeah, and and more efficiently, you know. I like to use the whole aces in their places kind of system. Yeah. Like, you know, just whoever plays something better or can do it better. Or if Dave writes a lead part, you know, like, let him play fucking lead. So, um. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go crazy and say, like, oh, yeah, me and Trevor are, like, switching spots for an entire song. But, you know, maybe one day, Trevor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's uh, Dave's new guitarist, Jaren's other guitarist. Um, we got Alex on bass, skiddly dilly doo, and uh, Trevor on drums. So, you know, I think uh, for the first time in a while, um, in the last month especially, we, you know, we got back from our tour in August. We've been like on a grind, grind, grind mode with songwriting. You know, I could probably count about over like 60 songs that, you know, some complete, some not, that are just like, all demos for potential future songs well i've seen that already just from like this past week we've been we've been talking because you've got a whole discography on spotify which by the way go check out hey thanks on spotify um and you have all these demos you've been showing me of new stuff like you haven't even thought of releasing yet because you're working on it and then you have all these ideas that you've just been writing in the meantime that aren't even recorded yeah it's, it's you got a crazy. lot. You got a lot going on. A lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of shit that I need to just finish. <laughs> well, it sounds dope, man, and I'm really like honored to know you and be able to work with you. By the way, me and Travis are going to be working on a little nugget through the Attic Productions, and <laughs> you should work look out for that if I haven't released it before this episode. But um, I want to go back to something you were saying. You were saying. You had gotten in with a full-time job with Kellogg's, and you had reached the point where you weren't sure if you were going to pursue music like you wanted to. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a hard thing, I think, every musician or any person in an art field you know, Absolutely. feels. You know, like, you know, you go through moments in life where, like, even if you're doing the most for yourself, you're going to only remember the stagnant parts of those movements, and you're going to start questioning yourself and saying, hey, is is what I'm doing time worthy? Am, am I living the best life I could be living right now? Yeah. So, you know, there was a moment where, you know, you play music for seven years growing up as a teenager with all these like pipe dream ambitions. And, uh, you know, it starts to get a little underwhelming. So, um, you know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten offered a full-time job working as a sales rep for Kellogg's. And I actually, me and Justin had got a little house together on the east side of town. And, um, you know, I still had a little drum set up and everything, but I wasn't, I wasn't being as proactive with the situation. Yeah. So the more and more I started getting comfortable being in this full-time job, the more and more I started like getting music started becoming like the side to my, my journey. Right. And I think the biggest moment I, the biggest thing I learned about working for a full-time job is that when you say I'm going to work on my project and then you always have this plan B in the back in the back of your mind. Sometimes plan A never really comes to its full potential because you're always in always having that safe zone. You like you have that safety net to fall back on. And sometimes if you don't just get rid of that safety net, you're you're not going to go any further. And sometimes you just need to go a little bit further than the safety net to get where you want to be. 
Right. So, I don't. Yeah, man, and I relate to that so much. I won't dive too deep into it because it's something I've gotten into these last two podcasts. But mm. essentially, you know, I went to Nashville. I came back, had all this knowledge of audio engineering, but no longer had any of the resources that I used to. Mm. So I thought I can't do anything until I get back to those resources. So I put everything on the back burner. I didn't work on it. I got a full-time job, and I attained that sense of security. But I realized even if I had financial security that if I wasn't able to do what I set out for so long in Nashville to do and came back and just put no effort in, then you know it, it wasn't worth having financial security. I would rather be dirt broken figuring out what I'm going to do day by day and focus on my dream and make that happen and move towards that than, you know, feel empty after all because that's really what it's like you know you have this job even if you're getting paid super well at the end of the day there's that empty feeling of you know i'm not pursuing what i care about no absolutely and like that's uh that was the thing that was that was really shitty about it was that you know i had gotten this full-time job i'd gotten enough to make payments and like just live in a house with another person and just be on my own and you know for the first month it was really kick-ass and everything was cool and then you know um I had just an, like this mind trip where I was like, wow, this is right now what I'm doing is literally what people do once they get their career choice for the next 40 to 50 years of their life. Right. And then regret most of the things they they stayed stagnant on in the last five or 10 years. Right. Have a mental breakdown. You know, I'd rather just go through my mental breakdown right now and, you know, face the fact that like I don't I can't live a normal lifestyle. It's right. Not something that I want to pursue right now. And this may or may not have been a thing for you, but for me, it was also this uh, fear of like my peers and everyone around me telling me how much of an idiot I am if I decided to throw something like a full-time job with benefits and everything away to pursue music. And you were right in your point earlier that you know, you're never going to take it to the next level if you have a plan B in your head. If you are going sink or swim into music, then that's your full 100% effort, you knowing that my survival depends on, you know, making my dream a reality. Absolutely. And if you just, you know, I mean, like I'm doing on the side right now, but I'm, you know, fully invested in the idea that this is going to be my future. And if in the future it, it takes off to a point where I have to give this up, you know, it may happen. You know, and that's what, that's what I, that that's the way I look at everything, you know. I... I learned like if you're not taking chances on the thing you really care about because of security for from something else, yeah, then that something else is the problem, and you have to you have to, you have to eliminate it. Yeah, I I definitely recommend anybody listening like if you have a dream or you have a goal. This sounds fucking cliche, but <laughs> cut out, cut out that plan B. Cut out anything that could make you feel like there's some kind of comfortability. In, in the background if this doesn't work out mm-hmm. because if you're trying to get into an art industry a you have to know that you're going to be a broke ass bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. you're going to be broke um but that makes for a cool story when you do make it i mean even the outside of that like like let's even let's get rid of like the underdog kind of like t- tail and like just say like if you are broke but you're in pursuance of something that is generally going to speak out to the world or help somebody else don't you think that when you get older, that would be more important than the amount of exactly money you've you financially 
acquired like acquired yeah in your in your whole life because you know one day you don't you don't know if this country is going to be this way or this country is going to be that way so why are you basing your life off of this establishment and not yourself you know right yeah you're more than your environment you're more than any institutions your you and your creativity is the, its own and all i have to say nike got it right when they said just fucking do it that's the advice that's the simple solution to if you're in a rut because you want to chase your dream but you don't know how or you don't know you know what's the best way you don't know anything just do it give yourself permission to fail because that's the worst outcome and if you fail a million times and get it right once that's all that counts even moments like these like you if if you feel like you don't know where to go hold the mic a little closer if you don't mind sorry bro don't mean to throw you off (laughs) <laughs> and go <laughs> um if you're in those moments too where like you know you have these thoughts of not knowing where to go or not knowing how to even get to your dreams start hanging out with people that maybe are on a pathway to do it start being yeah. around people that are more inspirational because like um as much as you don't want to believe what your parents told you when you were young the people you hang out with really do kind of influence your behavior and like yeah and the way you see the world because you know it, it's good to collect multiple viewpoints and make your own conclusions, but that's what we're all doing. So when you have somebody that looks like they're doing something that you are inspired to also want to do, follow them, you know, be, be a friend with them. Like it's okay to want to pursue the same interests as other friends too. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a team, it's a team effort to grow, you know? And I like when competition arises from those kinds of friendships, like, like healthy competition, like that's our whole band. Yeah, <laughs> that's our whole band. <laughs> like if um, you know, if I make a, if I see somebody else on social media, they're working on an original song that they wrote and produced themselves, and it sounds killer. I want to write something that competes with that, not to like outdo somebody, but to keep to push myself to make a pro- make something that's re- sounds really good, and to you know, kind of match somebody I respect doing the same thing. Absolutely. Um, I get like, I always say like jealousy is okay. Um, if you're using it to say like, oh man, I'm so proud of everything they've done. Like it makes me yeah, want to push harder. To encourage. Uh, yeah. Maybe jealousy is not the best word to use for that, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm sure you get what I mean. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You just, you, you, you take inspiration instead of negative energy from somebody else's accomplishments and you just say like, what can I do to make my part in this, in this community, you know? If we all have that mindset, then well, maybe one day the entire fucking world will just be a music community. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we'll all be geez. pursuing our passions and everyone will care about what they're doing and no one will be ugly to each other. Yeah. Not all the time, at least. People will yeah. still be fucked up. Can't, can't stop the chop. Can't stop the chop. Shit. <laughs> what, has there ever been a moment in your uh, music career before now where you look at it and you go, everything has been worth it up to this point? Like a show that went well, a deal you got, a um, just anything. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of times, it's always the uh, it's always the moments I should be happy that I'm not, and the moments that I I you know you typically wouldn't be happy that I am. Because a lot of times, like you know, when I'm on tour, I have a lot of time to just dwell, and I get more depressed, like being on the road sometimes. But then a lot of times, you know, when I come home and I get back into that normal, like stable environment. Um, you know, I go back to saying like, wow, like this is all the shit I actually got to do. And, um, I, I take much more appreciation for it in the, in the wide spectrum of things. Cause 
Uh, a good example I like to use is like this this last year in uh, May, we got to play with a band called Issues. Um, the singer, uh, Tyler Carter, he used to be in another band called What Was Me. Uh, Are they local to Louisiana? No, no, they're huge. Oh, <laughs> like they're, hell yeah. They're not, like, they're like fucking, they're big, you know? Like, they're a big band. They're yeah. signed to, I'm pretty sure they're still signed to Rise. I could be wrong on that, though. But, uh, so, when I was in high school, you know, me and my friend, I had a friend named uh, Cameron, not not a Cameron next to me, but another Cameron, <laughs> uh, who used to, like, try to learn the cover to this What Was Me song that Tyler Carter would sing um, called Fame Over Demise or whatever. So, back when I was, like, 12 or 13 you know i'm looking at this guy on youtube and i'm like man this dude's really cool and like he's a really good singer and stuff and you know who would have thought that me continuing this journey would have even gotten me to play with them and like actually get to go on their bus and hang out with them and talk to them in person and stuff like it's weird how some slight thought can manifest into like becoming something you know yeah because i never would have thought i would have met tyler carter it's just a random thing you know yeah it just one of those gifts the universe dropped on you yeah and those are moments where it's like hey maybe maybe this show didn't necessarily like push us to the next level as a band or like get us on some like with some big package deal but the experience that came from it was like more worth any moment i've ever spent dropping chicken at chipotle (laughs) 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 it's like it's no no hate on chipotle but like shout out to chipotle yeah (laughs) the best food in town um well, not in this town, but in New Orleans. In A-Town. A- A-Town somewhere <laughs> that has less food options. Um, but uh, it's just the whole point of, like, you have to, like, appreciate the, the, the good that comes out of the situations you get. Because when you are in moments of, of touring, writing songs, you're going to have good and bad moments. And a lot of times I feel like the brain likes to hold on to those really negative moments that, that made you feel the most insecure because bad feelings are things you remember because you try to avoid them. So the hardest thing to do in any art industry is like take time to appreciate the things you do. Yeah. Cause a lot of times it's a lot of self critiquing and a lot of, uh, you know, this is so bad compared to somebody else's thing. So, you know, I think, uh, comparisons and all that shit should be kind of cast aside and you should just have a, a moment to relax and say like, Hey, this is all good. Like none of this has been ill intentioned. All has good purpose. You know? Yeah. No, I totally understand. I feel the exact same way. Unless you're a, um, you're a little bit narcissistic and you're in love with yourself. See, that's the, that's (laughs) that's the thing I'm talking about is like, it's, I think it's perfectly healthy to have an ego. Mm-hmm. And to take pride in shit you do, but anything, any kind of emotion, honestly, you you can go overboard with it. You can become radical with it. So like, don't you know? Don't let an ego of something you appreciate become, oh, I'm the best now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you, there's always a happy balance of, of you know, being happy, but then understanding when to take crit- criticism and learning how to use it constructively instead of destroy trying to destroy other people's lives. You know? Right. Yeah. So. I th- definitely think a little dose of that is healthy yeah. because I'll self, I'll, um, I'm usually really happy with like, if I write a song and I start producing it and I get people on the track, I love the overall project. I start to hate my own individual details that I added to it. And I'm like, that could be better. That could be better. And then eventually I just give myself permission to say, I've done all I can do. Maybe it could be better, but if it sounds good enough right now, 
I, you know, you gotta leave it at that. Yeah, no, you, you, you're gonna it, mix, especially mixing, and that has a giant rabbit hole you'll never get out of if you just keep trying to fix little things and like change things, you know? Yeah. So, on the flip side of what I asked you before, every now and then, an artist will bomb from time to time. Maybe oh, yeah. it's the circumstances, maybe it's the lack of practice that week, maybe it's whatever. Have you ever bombed as a musician up to this point? In a live setting or like what? what? Uh, like a live show. A live show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was there was one time last year. Um, we were, I think we were playing uh, our opening show going to our, another Northeast tour. Um, we But we started the show in Homa before we left out. By the way, how many tours has it been so far with Hey Thanks? I think we've done six. and this Six tours. And we're doing one. Uh, number seven coming up in hopefully uh, the coming months. Uh, we're we're working on it right now, but uh, hell yeah, yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd even get, get to do more than maybe one tour. You know, right? The fact that like it's been about two years and we're two like, years, six tours. That's busy, Jack. Yeah, we're trying. You know, we're, I mean, anytime we're not trying to do these tours, we're trying to play shows here or trying to write. You know, there's never really a break when it comes to the 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 flow of of a band. You know, right? So. Um, what are we talking about now? <laughs> bombing on stage. Oh, bombing on stage. Sick. Oh, man. Sometimes I feel like, like ADD. I just like start. Yeah, yeah. I just start hyper focusing <laughs> on things. Um. But uh, yeah, I last year in October, starting up our tour, we were playing with a band called Vega and another another band. I feel like an asshole right now because I can't remember. It's been like. It's been six tours. It, it's it's been it's been almost a, it's been an entire year actually uh, almost. Yeah. And next this October will be a year since that show, but I I remember that show very yeah detailed because <laughs> I decided I wanted to smoke. Um, for viewer discretion, to tobacco <laughs> tobacco pipe green tobacco green tobacco. I decided I wanted to smoke some green tobacco, and I did that right before we got on. And I, I usually don't smoke or I don't like like doing drugs or anything in general, but I definitely don't like doing it before I play a show because mm-hmm. I'm way out of my element. And I decided to do it. And the entire set, I literally like, I couldn't even get notes to, to, to come out of my throat. It was like my throat felt so dry and, and closed up. I, I felt like I was like, oh, yeah. I felt like I was wheezing when I was singing. Dang. So it was, it was pretty, uh, it wasn't like embarrassing on, from an outer perspective, but for me inside, I was like, "Damn, I guess it's time to be straight edge. <laughs> it's time to get stopped doing this." <laughs> I remember um, one time I played a show and my guitar was tuned down to drop D way before it needed to be, and I played a song and it sounded awful because most of the song was in E so I was just playing with my lower string but it's in D so it sounds horribly out of tune and I remember thinking at that time which is worse if I just stopped playing or if I just kept playing with a horrible sounding guitar right uh dude uh we had a similar experience um we played at a uh, republic in New Orleans last year and um we were play we played this thing called emo night it's a just a pretty much a giant mm-hmm. show where people come and get in their their teenage costume attire and listen to old emo music from the early 2000s. Excellent. Um, but uh, you, we played a show there, did some covers, and um, we were covering uh, I Miss You by Blink-182. Oh. And uh, we were trying to translate the songs to all be in the same uh, key because we didn't want to like tune. 
Yeah. But uh, we ended up just saying fuck it and deciding to play it in its normal tuning. But the problem was we were trying to get flowed through the set so smoothly that uh, one of our guitarists didn't tune up. So he was a half step down. And then the rest of the band was in the actual key. Yeah. So you have this one guitar, which is the main riff, playing a half step down. And then you have the rest of the band playing like, like a whole half step up. So the crowd's singing it in the right key, <laughs> and I'm just sitting here on stage like I was just like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to like sing anything right. Like it's gonna sound wrong one way or the other. So like for the entire show, I just threw the mic into the crowd and I just let them <laughs> sing the whole song. That's one like, way out of it. Yeah, I was just like, you know, if they're all singing real loud, maybe they won't notice. <laughs> so, so that's a really good move to play it off. Like I'm gonna let the crowd sing and you yeah, just avoid it I just it like altogether. straight up just like, here, have the whole mic. Like, <laughs> like y'all take it and just act crazy. Um, how do you go through those as a musician? Do you just pretend like nothing's wrong or do you have a way of like nudging your fellow musician and being like, hey, fix your shit? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, we're not the kind of band where like, we're so anal that like if we're already thirty to seconds to a minute in a song, we're gonna stop it and restart it. Right. Like if we we messed up, we're just gonna face the consequences. But uh, definitely like I think the easiest way to tell if if I'm fuck, fucking up something or if someone's fucking up something on our song is if you see me like hysterically laughing, or turning around facing the opposite way, or on my knees laughing, or just like shaking my head with mm-hmm. like a, a smile on my face. <laughs> any of those are you know probably, something's going wrong yeah, any of those anything that looks like i'm having a, gr- a good time means that it's terrible from now on when you see travis at his shows unless he looks like unless he's I'm, having the worst time yeah <laughs> if i look miserable then it's it, it went well it's a good show yeah so um you know if you want you want to see some misery i um misery. i actually if you don't mind i'd like to listen to a couple of hey thanks songs yeah, um, I mean, we can... Uh, Where should we start in this discography? Uh, we'll just start with the last EP. Um, we could, uh, I mean, we could just do the single if you want. Um, Missouri Business? No, that's a, that is our newest... Missouri? That's like an acoustic track we released recently, but uh, we have a... If you go to the Nothing It Would Change, Nothing I Could Say EP. Um, Cheap thrills, I know it's been Sorry, guys. There she is. We recorded this back in uh, last year in August and released it uh, in January of this year. So where in the time frame of Hey Thanks did uh, y'all record this, like from your first track to where this came in? Um, Like the writing of it all? Well, like by the time, it, when was it released in the two years y'all been a band? This, uh, so like I said, we recorded we recorded this whole EP out in New Jersey with a, a friend of ours named Gary Sioni, and uh, we went out last year, 2018, uh, around August. We spent about a week or so out there, and um, you know, spent 12 or 13 hour days just like writing these songs out and you know, tracking them all down. And uh, I think we uh, we released the single of this EP in November last year and then the rest of the EP came out for January uh, January 25th actually very cool um, it's been about I think July made July 25th made six months that the EP's been out so um, and you're already on to the next one. Oh yeah um, you know no not gonna put anything set in stone but I have enough songs right now where you know if I wanted to be lazy and just release any song 
you can have maybe like three records of stuff, but bam. But uh, probably only gonna see like maybe one of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> just because it song. takes so much to just make one. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're really trying to go all all the way, you know. Um, we're taking a lot of time. This this time coming, you know, we got to do spend more time when we released this EP on these songs, but this time around, like, I think we have the best visual of what we're trying to capture, and we've had the most time to work on them. So, you know, I'm very hopeful that uh, the next time we release stuff, you know, it'll hopefully blow people out of the water, as yeah. they say. <laughs> I don't know why they're in the water, but, you know. Wasn't there talk of another video as well? Yeah, um, I'm not going to say what song, but uh, if you've listened to this EP before, um, we're going to be uh, doing a little little filmy film thing. So uh, let's, um, let's just say in a week or so, if you want to maybe be a part of this, DM me, and uh, we'll talk, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you talking to me? Anyone. Oh, because I, I want to be a part the of The airwaves, you know? Let's, let's <laughs> God. God can be a part of <laughs> Everyone. God's already a part. He's everywhere. He's, a, he's, he's anything in this podcast right now. Cameron? God's a woman. He's here. Yeah, Cameron's God. <laughs> I just want to know I just want to acknowledge the fact that Cam has talked more than I thought he was going to talk in this podcast he did Yeah, I thought you were going to be a ghost fucking insane anyway well, that was ironic oh shit <laughs> word so um this might be kind of a silly question but of everything you've released so far do you have any favorites like of material already on Spotify mm-hmm I'd say the track right now we're listening to is definitely one of my more favorited songs. Um, this EP in general, um, I enjoy a little bit more than the last EP we did in 2017 when I first joined. Just because uh, this is the first EP that like I got to have a lot of writing uh, parts and like and writing elements, you know, as far as helping the rest of the band compose songs and stuff. And I feel like this record. And going to New Jersey is what helped me establish songwriting better, understanding production better, you know, just understanding how a song is supposed to fit together better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this EP, I think, is like the opening door for me becoming better in the engineering and mixing realm of uh, yeah. future songs, maybe, you know? Maybe yeah. Production, too, you know, like I... I think that's my favorite thing is production, actually. So. Yeah, once you learn those things, you don't forget them, and they stick with you throughout your entire career. Yeah. I mean, whether you become a full-on engineer or not, it's just, like, helpful to know, like, every side of something so you know, like, where you need to go as a musician and what the what the production side will do for what you're doing. You know, Absolutely. it kind of helps you play. Man, I love you guys' music. Not blow smoke, that. but... No, nah, it's okay. Uh, I blew smoke yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, though. Sober boy. Um, yeah. So, um, we're starting to reach the hour point, and, uh, but before we wrap it up, I have just a couple more things. Yeah, let's get Last it, question man. I would say for you, Mr. Travis Opal, on this day of September 2019. Wait, when is it getting released? Uh, maybe October 2019. All right, Octo- on this day of October, <laughs> of October 2019. Our month of October 2019. <laughs> For this whole month, if you have somebody 
if you knew somebody who had talent as a musician but never told anyone, never had the courage to play live, and has a dream of making it in music one day, what's your number one piece of advice for that individual? Like if somebody's trying to like actually become a part of the community? Yeah, you know? say you, you knew a young person between 18 and in their 20s, mm-hmm. and all they have to do is just, what do they need to do? I mean, it all, it all starts with just, you know, writing and, uh, I mean, the simplest thing is like posting a cover of you doing something online, you know, yeah. like back then it was probably a lot harder to communicate with people about you being a musician, but now it's, you know, the internet's the perfect tool. You don't have to even talk to people. You can literally start posting your stuff, just finding social groups that like share the same kind of music jargon and like, you know, posting your stuff out there, you know, the easiest way I'd say to go about it is just, you know, figure out what it is exactly you want to be in the music field. Yeah. And then find those little Facebook groups or like, you know, get on Twitter and start just posting out there about what, what it is you're looking for. You know, you typically, you know, if you have a pretty good music community or you know a music community that you're just too scared to like go out of your way to be in, you know, there's not a lot of, there's, there's a couple, but there's not a lot of musicians I've met that are like assholes. You know, typically musicians, yeah. they're going to help you or like give you advice, you know? Yeah, and I'm here to fucking destroy you. I'd like to emphasize that because I did spend a long time, like even in Nashville, either trying to pretend like I knew more than I really did or just afraid to enter social groups like that because I knew everyone knew way more than me. And to anyone else who ever feels that way, hop into those situations and just ask questions. Don't be afraid to show that you don't know as much because as soon as you get your questions answered, you're going to know more than you did. Absolutely. Not to bring it down on a no. serious level, but I'm serious. I want to yeah. give some good advice for the Attic Productions listeners. No, yeah. If you're if you're young and you want to do this shit, just like start doing it. Like just do don't it. Don't make a date. Don't make a plan. Like right now, if you're fucking home right, right now, now, just start, dude. Like it, it's 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 all gonna work. You're as as one of my favorite bands, the man would say, in their current album release, you are okay. You are okay. Yes. And that's okay. And that's okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and um, and the attic productions is okay. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast so far. I have a lot of cool people who I'm lining up to do more podcasts with, and um, I'm I'm ready to take it as far as it's gonna go. And uh, thank you, Travis, for being here today. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Jaron as well. He hasn't been on the podcast, but he performed this song that we're about to. Um, transition into do you have anything you want to say about the song um this is kind of a song uh i wrote you know last year and we recorded it uh actually with my friend kyle um kyle did a lot of the shout the out to kyle pre-production and uh he works for ke sounds lantern lights you know um go check that out um uh, we recorded this uh beginning of this year and released it in june-ish i think and uh Word. it's an acoustic track we released you know we wanted to just put something out that was a little less like band and a little bit more, um, a little bit more personable. It still sounds like a band, but you know, yeah, uh, but it sounds great. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a, but it's definitely a little nice filler track. You know, if you're, if you've been a fan of ours or a friend of ours for a long time, um, you know, we just want to put music out for you. So fucking right. Well, like this, follow the 
<laughs> and this is exclusive Attic Productions content, by the way. You won't get this anywhere else. Baby. And um, if you like what you hear, follow and like The Attic Productions on Instagram at The Attic Productions. Find us on Facebook at The Attic Productions 1 or just look up The Attic Productions. My name is Andre Olivier. Where can people find you and Hey Thanks? At Rouse's. At Rouse's. <laughs> Rouse's <laughs> down the bayou. Down the bayou. No, uh, on like Spotify, literally any major streaming platform you can find us. We have a website, heythanksla.com. Uh, we do we we do sell we sell merch. Uh, so if you want any kind of merch products from us on our site, we take Venmo payment, PayPal payments. You know, um, literally you can find us on YouTube anywhere that you think is a social network. We're probably on it, and we're probably posting bad memes. So uh, yeah, you know, just uh, give us a follow. You know, hang out, hang out with us, talk to us, shit on us. I you know mm-hmm. whatever you want. I love it. Man. Love it. <laughs> thank you so much, bro. Thank and you, Cameron. Man. Thank you for being here as well. Any last words? <laughs> hey. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait, wait. Any last words, Cam? Hey, thanks. <laughs> Yo, straight up, fuck you. No. <laughs> here is Missouri business by Hey Thanks. Thank you, everybody. This is my typical response to distant behavior and it thoughts you placed in my head my brain's always capturing I can't believe we see eye to eye Just about everything feels so right What a depiction, think I'm addicted Or at least have lost my Get yourself together now like to take a chance you'll fall in love again remember where we've been there isn't anybody else to stop those feelings that we get and in my pocket again and in my pocket again